Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about the film Time Crimes. And I would normally play the audio of the trailer here, but the trailer that I found online um, has no dialogue whatsoever. It's all just music, so there's not much point in me playing a minute and a half of fairly generic sounding movie music. Um, why don't we skip straight to the synopsis, Chris? All right. Uh, so Time Crimes, and this is a Spanish film. So the original title was Los Cronocromenes. Um, a, a man accidentally gets into a time machine and travels back in time nearly an hour. Finding himself will be the first of a series of disasters of unforeseeable consequences. Well, short, sweet, right to the point. Oh, uh, we forgot to introduce ourselves. My name is Chris Ferry. And I'm Chris Huddleston. And this is our podcast. So back into it. Uh, yeah, so first of all, we probably ought to say there's no way to really talk about this movie without spoiling it. And I appreciate that you were very careful with me in that regard. You're like, oh, it's pretty cool. You ought to check it out. And so I just watched it. I knew it was Spanish language. I, obviously, the title is Time Crime, so we know it's a time travel thing. But I didn't really know more than that going into it. And I think that is the ideal way to see it. So, For sure, yeah. Yeah, I would definitely say, uh, you know, if this is a movie that you're interested in, and we're going to, I mean, we can say, now, I, I like this movie a lot, but uh, just watch it. It's It's one of these films where the less you know going in the better yeah so if you haven't seen it and you want to pause the podcast right now or switch over to something else and go watch the film time crimes um, and then come back and listen to us because starting pretty much now we're gonna pick it apart and it just talking about it starts to spoil it um i really really liked it um I'm not even sure where to start. I like the way that it gets right into the action without feeling forced. Um, we start off following fairly typical guy, owns a nice house, has a loving relationship with his wife. A couple of weird things, weird phone call. He's sitting out in his... Um, you know, a backyard and he's just got a pair of binoculars kind of looking around in the woods. He sees some kind of weird stuff up in the trees. He can't really identify what it is. Uh, and he, he, he sees a, a young woman in the woods and she's acting strangely and it catches her attention. And it ultimately that leads him into the woods and it begins this interesting web slash loop of events that carry out through the whole movie. I never thought it felt boring or stale. Um, with time travel stuff, we're used to the trope of, oh, okay, uh, this particular event, I've seen this now from this angle, and I expect I will see it from another angle. Right? That's the whole point of time loop movies is to get to play mm -hmm. with the kind of Rashomon uh, <laughs> aspect of like how is something perceived from, from different vantage points and how does that difference of perception affect the meaning of the event. Um, the performances were terrific. I thought the cinematography was terrific. I find it refreshing to watch foreign films uh, frequently because it's not familiar faces. Mm -hmm. Um, they have different sensibilities often towards things like sex and violence um, and, you know, what we take it for granted in terms of social relationships uh, than, than you typically see out of Hollywood. Like those things conform pretty tightly to a certain set of mores wherever the needle falls on the scale. So it's always nice to see, a, you know, foreign filmmakers eye at work um I, I don't want to blather on to jump in here what you know what landed hard for you in this movie when you watched it well i think so the director the director is named nacho vigilando i don't know if i'm pronouncing that uh, right or not and he was also the writer of this um 
so this was the second time I had seen this. I this came out in two thousand seven, and I would say that I probably originally saw this maybe two thousand eight, two thousand nine, something like that. Whenever it was that it arrived on video uh, here, I watched it uh, back then. I watched it on Netflix. Um, I think immediately when it came to the U.S., it it hit Netflix right away. It's very well crafted, you know, with 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 time travel movies, you know, if I'm sure there and I'm sure this is another one, if you try to pull things apart too much, it'll unravel. Um, But it's very well crafted. The budget is obviously low, but it's not amateurish in any way. It's very well shot. There are just a handful of characters and it's a, it's a very, uh, you're in very limited locations. It's basically where, uh, Hector is the, is this main character and it's where his home is. And then the, the woods where he sees the woman through his binoculars, or I don't know, maybe a couple hundred yards away or something. And then, uh, when he gets into the time machine, he it's there's this some kind of a research facility that is within sight of his house, basically. Yeah, certainly within a mile. Yeah, within a mile. Like not right next door, but within easy walking distance. Right. And so everything is in a, you know, it, it's in these uh, limited locations. I mean, the only buildings in it are his house and then this facility where the time machine is. So, and I, I like movies like this that are kind of limited, you know, limited characters and limited scope and all that. They, um, I I think it just works really well with a low budget film. Um, the acting is really good, even though it's, you know, there's, they're speaking Spanish, but, um, you know, the yeah, acting, you tell. yeah, the acting seems really great in it. And it's, it's a very serious movie, but I found myself almost, it's almost humorous because it's, this could almost be called, you know, like a series of unfortunate events or something like yeah. that, because he, so basically what happens is he sees this woman through the binoculars and then he sees this, uh, this man with bandages on his face. Well, it creepy turned, looking. yeah, really, really creepy looking. And that scares him. And when he goes up to see what has happened. So this girl is naked and well, she's okay. I'm sorry. You're going to keep interjecting. Oh, he, sure. Sure. He spots her standing there looking at someone he can't see. And he catches a glimpse of the, of the, of the bandaged face. Yeah. So already we've got a pretty girl in a sort of a startling slash scary visage of another person. Right. And then he sees her sort of standing there. He, it's not clear what's happening. She's standing still looking kind of off at someone he can't see. And then she takes off her shirt. Mm-hmm. Right. So then he, you know, it starts to get undressed and, and that kind of lands the hook. So he decides he's going to get up out of his chair and, and go see what's going on. Yeah. So go ahead. So he goes through the woods. <clears throat> you know, he just basically walks through. Uh, I don't know if he walks through his yard or if he goes up to the road. I forget how that how that works. But anyway, he, he goes up to the woods where the girl is. He sees the girl. She's naked there and unconscious. And Or dead. I, or I dead, it was, yeah. It was not clear. I, I think he thought initially she's dead. Right. And he throws a, he kind of throws a stick at her to see if she'll move, you know. Well, while he's doing that, this figure comes up behind him and stabs him. In the and, shoulder. Yeah, in the shoulder. With so, a pair of scissors. Right. So he takes off running <clears throat> and he winds up at this research facility <clears throat> and he goes inside and he says this man is chasing him. And the uh there's a guy working in the in the facility and has a who's big... actually the director by the way that oh is he the director is, oh okay yeah i didn't i didn't know that i've watched this a couple of times and i, I didn't actually realize that well i mean i just looked it up oh okay <laughs> i mean I okay 
I, I just was seeing it on the internet. Anyway. So there's kind of like a big, I forget what they call it, but it, there's kind of a big, like a tub or something with a lid. And the, uh, he tells Hector that he can get in there and hide. And what happens is when he goes, it turns out that it's a time machine. And the figure that he had seen with the bandages, it turns out to be the, um, what, I guess the future version of himself or the right. past version of himself. Um, well, he, he goes back in time. And I'll say, when you say low budget, it doesn't, um, it doesn't have a low budget feel to it. There's just for time travel movies, there's no, um, like it doesn't feel like a couple of kids shot this on a handheld recorder. No, 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 not at all. There's just no effects. So he right. goes in the, in the tank, which sort of closes around him like a clamshell. And there's just sort of a sound, a sort of, whoosh, yeah. And, and then the tank opens back up and it, it turns out he's an hour earlier. Right. And the same guy, the same scientist is standing outside the tank and looks absolutely flummoxed and flabbergasted to see him. And it takes him a minute to connect the fact that he, you know, he can't get his head around the concept. In a lot of time travel movies, people kind of go, whoa, and then they accept it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I thought that was really great in this, that especially on that first jump backwards, he can't get his head around the concept of what has happened. Yeah, um, which is how a person would act in real life. It feels truly natural, right? Yeah. And, um, and he begins from that point onward to, um, he already has the wound in his arm that we learn he himself has given him. Um, and as he goes through the movie, he just gets increasingly beat up there's a car accident he falls and hits his head there's a yeah. struggle right so he, he he ends up having a car accident and getting a pretty good gash in his head and he starts he unwraps the bandage that he wrapped up on, around his arm around his head and then sort of realizes oh i am i am the bandage man and it's this wonderful peeling of an onion because it does feel quite natural how well you're like well why the heck would you stab yourself then right and all of this stuff sort of falls into place accidents happen he realizes oh if i don't manipulate this situation then the former me isn't going to see it and it his motivation is frequently like i need to get back to my wife i need to get to a place where I can undo this weird loop that started happening. Yeah. And then in the pursuit of trying to do that, he, you know, mistakes happen and things get mucked up and things go kind of pear shaped. And ultimately there are three iterations of him, correct? Yes. Yeah. And I thought that it was really great fun. There was one, one place that it felt, it, it, it felt a little strained to me. And that was, so the they get to the bottom of it. The scientist says, look, he observes himself and he realizes that him from an hour ago, the first thing he saw up in the woods was actually him looking back at himself through binoculars. Right? Yes, right. And he, it startles him because he sees himself there with his wife, whom he's passionate about. And he gets jealous. He's like, mm -hmm. who's that guy? And he's like, H -h he just can't get his head around the concept of the scientist saying, that's you, you know? So he says, look, he, all we, no problem. All we have to do is you go in this room that you didn't come, you know, you didn't go anywhere near. Go in this room and wait. And former you will come up here and get in the tank and go back and that'll be it yeah there's a weird little loop in time and then once he's gone once you're gone you can go back home and that'll be that and he'll come through this little it'll just be this little loop of time that happens again and again and you won't cross your own path but he can't leave it alone he calls himself mm -hmm. and then we realize that's a call that we observed happening earlier in the movie and worse yet he 
he goes down. Doesn't he go down to the house now? I'm getting confused. Yeah, he goes down to the house. Um, and the, uh, well, because the girl goes to the house, right? Or he thinks all, she does. I'm getting all tangled up now. Or yeah. does he see the girl on the way? I think he sees the girl on the way. Oh, and then he's coming up the road. And that's when he, the car accident is this big red truck smashes into the back of his car. Mm-hmm. And and so now him 2.0 is the guy that runs his former self off the road. Yeah. And that was funny. How you don't really... find that you see the car accident initially where he's in this little white car that he's driving and he gets hit by this red van and you never right. see who's in the red van. Right. And then later he's driving the red van right. and purposely crashes into himself. For And I love that it's, it's out of more of a sense of jealousy than it is to conform to the pattern. Right. right? We, he's, there are some things he does, like he manipulates the young woman in the woods because he knows what he saw. Right. He knows what he witnessed. So he says, stand there, wait, wait. All right, take off your shirt, right? And I want to come back around to this. But So there are some things that he does to make time fit what he already experienced. Mm -hmm. And there are other things he does that seem to be motivated by impulse or jealousy or fear, right? Yeah. And I uh, I think that is makes this whole thing really interesting because it's not some cabal of otherworldly like you know pale men and fedoras that are manipulating you know nobody's Mm -hmm. messing with him it's some young scientists wanted to get into the machine room and player he wasn't supposed to be in there and he created a, a mess and the only bad actor really in this movie of four performers is the main character. He, he becomes his own antagonist. Yeah. Which and is really clever in all of them in their attempt to be the singular him to, you know, to just write the, write the universe. Uh, they, they, they get in their own way and come into conflict with each other. And it's just so smart. Yeah. And well executed because I really couldn't predict what was going to happen. Oh, no. Obviously, once you get into it and you know the shape of that hour, it's interesting then to be like, well, who turned on the music? And then later in the movie, you're like, ah, okay, this is where he turns on the music, right? Yeah. It's it's fun on, it's like three-dimensional chess. It's fun on multiple levels um, to follow our we really do follow the first guy mostly throughout the movie right hector one yes really kind of follow him oh but wait then it turns out that he wasn't the first one through the thing right so he's not actually hector one he's like hector two we think he's hector one because we started with him yes but we discover that he's not the first hector to come out of the tube he's actually the second iteration Mm mm-hmm uh, it's just really, it's really rich. And okay, so so we get there are some moral uh, implications because we get to explore, you know, how each of us acts in our own selfish interest. Uh, we get this. The really, there's a point at which we see his wife. Uh, killed she falls off a roof yeah he accidentally kills her because he he grabs her foot he thinks it's that he thinks it's the young woman right on the roof of his house and he grabs her foot and she falls and dies he he looks down and he sees that it was his wife yeah it was his wife that drives him and he has this new fervor to like get back and change things so fundamentally that this doesn't happen right so that Mm -hmm. really adds gas to the whole enterprise um and 
God, I hate to even spoil such a delicious, strange twist at the end, but how are we not going to do it? Okay. So we finally get around to that point where he is the puppet master of that moment. And he is in the house ahead of himself with a young woman. And he puts his wife's coat on her and it ends up being her. And he and cuts wondered, her hair. So her hair looks yes. like his wife's hair. And I wondered, do you think that was the way it always was? Or do you think initially the wife actually died and he swapped it? Or, I don't know. I didn't really think about it when I was I, watching. I know. Does does stuff really? Does it really change? And then, of course, we get to the big question of like, if we follow him first, how, how does he? How does a time loop happen first? Because if he's seeing things up in the woods that are actually him, how did? How is that possible? If mm-hmm. at a certain point in the flow of time, he has never traveled back in time yet how does he see himself right yeah so it's my it's it's mind-bending and very satisfying time travel movie ways yeah but the by the end of it he he is reunited with his wife and they're sort of just sitting out she's terrified because she doesn't know what's going on and they're sitting out in a place that doesn't involve the rest of the action and he's hearing they're hearing the young woman fall off and break her neck and mm-hmm. and him, the other him being like, no, you know, and it's very upsetting and surreal. And so the casualty of all of this is this young, innocent woman who was just riding her bike. Like the presumption I think is that everything kind of plays itself out. Yeah. And, but she ends up being the sacrifice to this mistake that was actually instigated by this young scientist who was playing around with the, machine he wasn't supposed to be playing around with right and and i wondered you know once you get to the end so he it's him and his uh his wife kind of sitting in these lawn chairs holding hands and just sort of looking across the field and you know and that's the end and it's sort of like you know in his mind it's like okay this is the happy ending but I was wondering by that point, is he insane? Basically, you know, I mean, he's been so beaten up, he's been stabbed and in two car accidents and, you know, there's all this trippy stuff happening with multiple versions of him. There's going to be a, a dead, I mean, there's this dead woman in their yard. Um, and then, you know, there's these, what are these, there are these two other, versions of him running around you know um, well that will presumably or would they they presumably end up in this timeline so okay. if they've they, it solves itself ultimately because he he goes back and then he goes back again and ultimately he ends up sitting there with his wife mm-hmm. but along the way this is one of the things that I think works so well about this movie. He's, he's quite literally changed, right? He's deformed by this whole experience. Yeah. That started. I mean, I think if you want to, you know, sort of apply a Freudian logic, you know, symbolic logic, it started from a place of lust, right? He's here. He loves. Yeah. That, that's what I was going to ask you about is younger it, woman. It's she's clearly sexy and, you know, and naked and, yeah. That's what he decides. She waits till his wife leaves and then he goes up in the woods. Not necessarily the impulse has a lascivious note to it. It's not. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't necessarily know if like he would yeah, attack her or something, but also but it it's gets like, him off, yeah. but he goes, he mm-hmm. goes right. And, and things kind of go South from there. So in some ways you can look at this movie. Yes. There's a time travel element to it, but it's, it's a metaphor of marriage and the things we, you know, the things that we go through, what he discovers he wants is this sitting my, with my wife in our lawn chairs mm-hmm. where the movie starts, like just looking out over the peaceful feast that we have here. But the impulse to go investigate the pretty young woman that <laughs> leads to a lot of blood, sweat and tears. Yeah, and exactly. Drink. And changes the relationship forever, right? It's never going to be the same after that. How's he going to explain it to her, right? Mm -hmm. And he's literally 
almost unrecognizable from the man he was at the beginning. He's so beat up. So mm-hmm. I love those touches. You know, I love those visual metaphors. And then time crimes, right? You can't really accuse either. There's two male characters, two female characters, the protagonist and then the scientist and then the wife and the bystander, really. Yeah. And you can't really accuse either of the female characters of they don't have a lot of agency in the movie. They are acted upon. Right. So the time crimes, is it the scientist who messes with forces he can't understand and control? Is it the man who acts on his impulses and right? I think it's all of the above. I think it's the actions both men take crimes are committed. A, A woman is dead. A person dies as a result of it. Of, of the combined actions of these two, who's ultimately to blame? Can you say the scientist is ultimately blamed for opening this Pandora's box in the first place? Or do you, do you say that Hector is to blame because he's the one that cuts her hair and puts on her coat and basically positions her in a place where he knows he's going to fall to her death? Yeah, yeah. Both. And the- yeah, and the women are presented pretty much as total innocence. I mean, you don't you don't really know anything about the wife. Right. Um, but the girl, you know, goes out of her way to help him. Right. And 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 I had forgotten um one thing that I had forgotten from the original viewing is I kind of remembered it as her being immediately frightened of him, but she isn't. When she finds him, she finds him in the car and he's bandaged his face all up and he looks terrible. But, uh, you know, she's not frightened or anything. She's, she's startled. Yeah, she's startled. But she yeah. doesn't recoil. No. Uh, right. She's but she like, immediately okay? wants to help him. Yeah. Um, so she tries to make a phone call, but she can't She can't get service. And then she gives him water. Um, you know, so, yeah, both of them are... It's definitely the two men who are committing the crimes, you know, per se. Um, and probably Hector the more so because he, he essentially murders the girl. Yeah. The scientist you can say is, is the one who set the whole thing in motion, mm-hmm. but it, it is really Hector that, that does all of the doing. Right. And I agree uh, with you that it was him acting on, you know, as you said, this kind of lust, lustful impulse, because he could have said to the wife, Hey, there's a girl in the, you know, in the woods there with no clothes on, we should go and help her, you know, but instead, like you said, he waits until she leaves and then he goes to investigate on his own. And the camera the, I think that the directing is excellently well done mm-hmm. because I don't think there is, while it's not super didactic in terms of spoon feeding you meaning it's very clear eyed in terms of, you know, what it is choosing to show you. So we see her in the woods. We see that she's attractive. We see she doesn't, as he sees her through the binoculars, she doesn't appear necessarily to be in threat. You think, well, maybe she's meeting a lover in the woods, maybe, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, she doesn't, she's not crying or panicking or shaking, right? Right. Um, She just removes her shirt and it is the it is her allure that draws him into the woods um you know and again it's not gross it's not lascivious it's like wow i want to he's interested you Mm -hmm. know and uh she is strikingly beautiful Mm -hmm. but there's no ambiguity in like oh i need to go help her i think there's a flicker of like him using that as a justification to himself again i think he, he does a lot of great acting he's yeah the other thing i like about it he's not a particularly handsome guy no <laughs> he's a he's a very um I, I would say average looking guy except he's actually kind of ugly yeah yeah he's sort of stooped and he's he's bald and he's got a bulbous nose and a weak chin and um, he's a terrific actor. It's yeah. Very expressive face. Uh, but I like that about this too, is that it's not Brad Pitt. Right. Um, and maybe that was intentional to make him kind of an everyman, you know, so you, because you definitely, 
you don't look at him as a bad guy or anything. It, you know, it's one of these where you're, you know, you're kind of following along and you're like, Oh, don't do that. You know, you, you right. want, you want things to work out well for him. And you know, something I, th I think you were starting to talk about the, the camera movements and things. A lot of movies that do the same kind of a thing where they show the same events more than one from a different, more than once from a different angle. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly how to describe this and, and have it make sense, but it, it seemed like he was very creative with the angles that he showed the second time around on an event. It wasn't like, okay, now I'm right. going to show everything from this point of view. You know what I mean? It wasn't like they just took all the shots and just showed it from a reverse angle. They kind of, right. they were more creative with that, which I thought was, I thought was, that was neat to see these same events play out, but in these somewhat kind of twisted ways, if that makes right. sense. No, a hundred percent. And I think that the tightrope you walk in this kind of a project is on the one hand, really spelling it out, like get it. It's the black car, you know, it's the black Mercedes with these license plates. And we're very careful so that you notice the custom license plate. So that yeah. when we see it again, you're like, aha, it, you know, so giving it all away. And on the other hand, making it feel completely mysterious and like, what is happening? You know? And I think this really walks the line nicely. A difficult line to walk because we do start to see stuff that has happened before. And, and he starts to realize that I'm the one doing this mm -hmm. and he gets into the head frame where he's trying to think out ahead. Okay. Well, if I'm actually the third one, or if I haven't done that yet, where am I going to be? Like not, it's a little bit of what, wait, okay, let me try and remember what did I do? And yeah, there are times where you can, you can, see him thinking, okay, I need to stand in this spot, you know, and I need to be here and do that. You know what I mean? To, to recreate yes. the, the oh, events of before. There's a great bit when we're following the first guy who's snuck up in the woods and trying to see the masked man and he can't find him and he can't find him. He's hiding behind trees and he can't find him and he's looking through his binoculars and then he spots him and he's got his back to him and he can tell it's him because he sees the scissors in the back of the bandaged head hmm. and then slowly the guy turns and looks dead at him with his fingers looped around his eyes like binoculars mm -hmm. like i see you and he's <laughs> like ah and he goes running <laughs> off and then when it's him right he's like oh this is the part where i spook myself yeah and he turns around and he does it and nothing happens right. and he realizes he doesn't know where the guy is so he does it like four times uh-huh and he realizes I, I can't there's a moment where he's like i can't i'm not in control of this it happens when it happens and he sort of takes a deep breath and he's like he, i'm gonna do it one last time and he does it one last time just randomly to nowhere and then that time he sees himself being like oh and you're yeah. running off down the hill it's a brilliant moment Oh, sure. Because it, it throws into highlight um, how we think we're controlling the sequence events, but it may just be that this time loop, you know what I mean? It, it, it plays with, are we self-determination versus, excuse me, do we really, do we really, are we in control at all? Or is it just kind of on rails and our self-control, self-determination is an illusion. Yeah, yeah, because it seems like the harder he tries to rework everything, the more messed up it gets. Yes, sometimes. Sometimes, yeah, but but not always. And I think it that's a that's a that's a very fine line to walk. And I think this movie does a really great job of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this I, is. I would I would highly recommend it. Yeah, the same same here. This is a very it's a very well-crafted film and, you know, it's one of those, just from a filmmaking standpoint, you just kind of look at it and you think, wow, I mean, this would have been for what was, you know, certainly a small film, just a lot of thought and work went into making this all work out. 
We ought to look. We ought to investigate this filmmaker and see what other stuff he's done. Well, that's the thing. I kind of looked, and I, I was. He was one that uh, I'm going to look at his IMDb here real quick. Uh, he, um, he, he worked on a couple of um, anthologies. One called The ABCs of Death, which I haven't seen, and then another one called VHS Viral, which I haven't seen that either. But those were, he did shorts in those. And then he's done some Spanish language stuff. He did a movie called Open Windows with Elijah Wood, which is pretty good. It's not nearly as good as as this. Um, And then I think probably um, his biggest film, I don't know if he was just the writer or if he was the director. Let's see. Oh, yeah, he was the director. He did. Uh, and there's another one that I haven't seen, Colossal from 2016, which stars Anne Hathaway, where there's this giant monster oh. and it's somehow controlled by her movements. Um, so I, th- I think that's kind of the biggest film that that he has done. Oh, that has Dan Stevens in it. I didn't know that. We ought to we ought to check and that Jason out because I remember that came up and I. I didn't see it. And it got yeah, it was, I was interested in it, but yeah, we should watch that for sure. But, uh, it's, and he's, he's, I believe gone back to some, some Spanish language stuff, maybe. Oh no. His, his, his next movie was called paradise Hills, which came out in 2019. And that stars Emma Roberts. That's another one. That's either on prime or Netflix right now. That's another one that looks really weird, um, but is another one that I want to check out sometime. Cool. So, but yeah, that one says fantasy sci-fi thriller. So I don't really know what it's about, but, um, but yeah, I definitely time crimes highly recommended. It's, it's among the, you know, the really uh, top time travel films, I think, you know, if you're a time travel fan, there's a lot to like with this. Particularly because it's not all about special effects. It's a concept movie. It's about the concept yeah. of what if you could, you know, and what would happen. And it, again, it's that model of it's a single thread so that you don't create some new universe. You don't shatter something. You know, you, you're literally just, you could meet yourself and, and interact and affect things that have already happened. Um, and I think telling a story that basically keeps folding back on itself, it's a tricky, tricky mind bending thing to do. This does it about as well as any of them I've seen. For sure. Yeah. Um, and, and so we both highly recommend it, but just before, cause I do need to keep this to be a shorter episode, but we, the, the new um, trailer for the Batman had dropped and you wanted to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. What did you think? I think it looks great. I'm excited Me to too. see it. I'm not a, I'm not a huge DC. I'm a Marvel guy more than I'm a DC guy, but mm-hmm. you know, if there's a Superman movie or a Batman movie, uh, I like Jason Momoa. So I watched the Aquaman movie as ridiculous as it was. It was pretty and, bad. I, 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 I gotta say, I didn't, I didn't get a lot out of uh, Aquaman, but I mean, I will watch them. I don't get excited yeah. about them in the same way, but this this one, one I'm excited about the uh, just the look of it. It looks very gothic. Um, you know, it's funny with the Batman movies. I mean, going back to the '89 Batman, I think every actor that has played Batman, people have complained. You know, before you know, people. I remember people being outraged that they picked Michael Keaton. He's a comedy guy. You know, how can he be Batman? You know, this is going to be terrible. And, you know, and then, and then the movie and was great. Short. Yeah. And he's short, you know? Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people who don't like uh, Robert Pattinson because of the twilight movies, which, you know, I've never seen any of the twilight movies, but he's a good actor. Though. He's a good actor. And the, and the thing is for me, I, the, the movies that have the Batman movies that have been bad, the guy in the suit was never the problem. It was other things that were, that were the, that what I don't think any of the actors themselves have, have been bad. Like for example, uh, 
you know, George Clooney says, you know, because he was in what most people think was the worst Batman movie. Um, you know, he says, Oh, I ruined Batman. Well, they, they could, do, I mean, he'll never do it now. Clearly they, not. They, they could do a Batman movie with George Clooney and it'd be really fantastic. You know I mean? Cause he's a good actor. So he, and Batman is, you know, the villains are so important in these films that Batman right. is almost a, a supporting character in his own films, basically, you know? So, um, I like the look of, uh, the suit looks pretty good. I like the 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 Batmobile that they're using looks basically like a muscle car with like a rocket engine. Um, so it looks pretty cool. I, I was never a fan of the tumbler in the uh, in the Nolan movies. I mean, I know, you know, they were trying to go for it was like a military vehicle or whatever, but yeah, it never the design never, never really did it for me. But but this one looks uh, and the way he looks in it, I, I I don't know if this was intentional. I assume it was, but uh, it made me think of the um, the cabinet of Doctor Caligari, the silent yeah. German. I mean, and yeah. I looked it up afterwards, and I was like, "Am I just imagining that?" And there are shots online where, it, so at the end of the trailer, they show him, and he has you know the kind of long hair and the black makeup around his eyes. Yeah, and I mean. I can't imagine that they weren't trying to make that look like the doc, the cabinet of, of Dr. Caligari. Yeah. Cause the, the pictures online, you know, that I looked up look exactly like that. So I thought that was kind of a neat little touch. It's such a beloved character with so many facets to it. And I think you, you're hard pressed to get all of it into one movie. You mm-hmm. kind of have to pick your angle on it. And I, I mean, I loved the Tim Burton, take on it the big cartoony take on it right Mm -hmm. and i think using uh, michael keaton and that was great because he's got those wicked eyebrows right he looks like it it, he looks like a man with secrets he looks like a man with a lot on his mind you know he looks like a man who's capable of some serious mischief Mm -hmm. um and i think george clooney really lands the uh, playboy millionaire thing like i think a george clooney bruce wayne um plays better maybe than a george clooney batman yeah val kilmer was batman for a while and i think he looks the most like the comic book yeah the kind of um he had that you know the jaw and everything the jaw and the mouth and it you know it just he, he looked in stills he looked batmany he has got a, a an intensity too that i thought worked for yeah what they were doing although it's not the most memorable of him and then the christopher nolan thing created the whole universe and i think that christian bale was at his best in the bat suit right i didn't ever really um his bruce wayne always felt deeply uncomfortable to me like, yeah his uh, blithe slickness always felt like an act on screen. And I yeah. think that was sort of a failing because nobody is supposed to success, uh, 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 suspect Bruce Wayne. But mm-hmm. his Bruce Wayne always seemed really deeply troubled. And I think it's going to be interesting. I know we've only seen the trailer, but uh, Robert Pattinson does Haunted <laughs> very well. Yeah, yeah. So, and you see a lot of it in the street. He looks like a man haunted by some serious ghosts and if batman is one thing (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) for sure and a couple of things that i've read about this they're they're calling it like this is batman year two so it's not going to be an origin thing where it's like you know batman's just starting out and we're going to see that all over again still kind of getting his sea legs yeah he's still kind of you know new to it but he's been doing it for a while and the director has said that one thing that he really wanted to do with this is um, we have never seen on film the detective Batman. So he right. said, this is good. You know, it started out with detective comics uh, and this is going to be the first time that we're really going to see Batman as a detective, which sounds, you know, that could be interesting. I think that's great because that's the, when you start, we didn't even talk about Ben Affleck. Um, Ben he Affleck was fine. Kind of, none of them. Kind of, 
none of them were bad of, in my opinion you know no, he, he kind of fits into the justice league yeah um if you're gonna do if you're gonna take it in the marvel direction where you try and make a big team of people then ben affleck is the is the team player it's hard to imagine the detective comics soloist that is batman yeah fitting in with an aquaman and a superman and a wonder woman i think that they are right to explore the individual um hero lines because gal gadot is is really owning it as wonder woman oh yeah the wonder woman 1984 looks like it's there's a new trailer for that which looks really great yeah, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. She's great. And the chemistry with Chris Pine is great. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I love Jason Momoa. I really think he's terrific. But I just think the whole property of Aquaman is hard to make exciting on film. It's so stupid. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah, and I felt like he and uh, Amber Heard um, had no chemistry in that movie right. at all. I they did. just... and. You know, I don't. I don't want to get off a side tangent because I know you you have to go. But uh, in the middle of that movie, it became sort of like this Indiana Jones adventure thing where they're going and finding keys yeah. or whatever they were looking yeah. for. And I don't know. That it was. Uh, I thought that one was pretty bad. Yeah, it was poor. I mean, but, he's fine. I like him. Like like you said, you know, he's good. He's fine in the role. I just like to see it, and I hope the next one is a better is a better movie. And I feel like they haven't ever quite gotten their groove with Superman. I mean, he is such a beloved character, and Henry Cavill, Cavill, Cavill. Yeah, I don't. Uh, he's great. Uh, yeah, he's perfect for the role. They just he looks haven't perfect. It just yeah. the, they don't land, and I think that it's hard. Christopher Reeves. I don't know. Maybe I had a little mini stroke there. Christopher Reeves. <laughs> Uh, he kind of nailed it in those movies. Maybe it's just because we were kids. Oh yeah, but I, but I think just especially had this heart that was like it's Superman. You know, you really loved him. You can go back and watch the first couple, and I mean, I've seen them, you know, probably in the last decade or so, and and they still, you know, hold up. Fair, you know, the effects aren't what they can do now. But yeah, they they've talked about you know uh, recasting Superman and. He's not again, he's not the problem. It's not it's not the guy in the Superman suit that's the problem. It's the Yeah. What's going on around him. Yeah. I don't think it's that Henry Cable can't he certainly looks the part. He looks the part and he's a great actor, you know. Like they keep trying to take it dark, like, oh the I'm like, that's not Superman. Yes, he's got sadness, but he's the goody goody. And that's the thing, and we've probably talked about this before, that Marvel does so well that DC hasn't seemed to quite figure out is Marvel trusts the source material. You know, they don't try to make the characters something that they aren't. They don't try to put everybody in a black suit. You know, they, they more or less, you know, they'll change some things a little bit to make it fit the screen better. But they, for the most part in the Marvel movies, they've pretty much presented the suits the way they look in the comics. Um, and, you know, like I say, they don't try to make, you know, they're not trying to make everything dark. With Batman, you can do that. With Superman, I don't think you can. Yeah. You, not every character is going to be a dark, brooding, you know, character. It almost, you have to find what the conflict for Superman is. And to me, I I go back again to the Christopher Reeve. It's almost like a politician who there's just too much to do, Mm -hmm. right? You can't save literally everyone, even if you can fly at the speed of sound, right? There's just too much trouble going on simultaneously. You can only ever be one place at a time. And the challenge of prioritizing, the challenge, as inane as it sounds, of PR, right? When you're there, you can't just swoop in and save the kid from the building. You have to give the kid a moment of your attention so he can say, thanks, Superman. And you have to accept that Yeah. and say, 
you're welcome. You know, I, I got to go save your mom now or whatever. Like you, you have to land it with each person you save and how mm-hmm. exhausting that would oh, be. Yeah. How driven you'd have to be to commit to that again and again. And then when your girlfriend Lois is in trouble, do I save this little old lady or do I go save Lois? Because frankly, Lois is more important to me, but is that fair? Like he wrestles with this high level moral stuff. Right. And making that interesting on screen is the challenge because he's invulnerable. Yeah. The villains always manage to find some kryptonite somewhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> impossibly. But that's his only vulnerability. So, you you know, that's hard. Instead, they make it like him lovelorn or angry. Right. or. But Superman's not those things. <laughs> no, no. I, I, you know, somebody could do it right. And Justice League, it, it's a it's kind of amazing to me that they have, that they managed to screw it up because, you know, if you had said 20 years ago, what's going to be a bigger hit movie, justice league or Avengers, I would have said justice league because everybody knows Superman and Batman, if not wonder woman, you know, pretty much for sure. But the Avengers characters, you know, probably just to general audiences the hulk was probably the the most known character 15 years ago you know and so took them a while to find their their way with that character on screen oh yeah yeah i mean the hulk is tough because you know he works well in in an ensemble but to in an individual film it's a little tough because it's just what do you do with him you know I think the Mark Ruffalo casting is the right. I think they landed that well because yeah. he's a good ensemble player and he's funny, but he's also um, brooding and moody and mm-hmm. you know. And I thought I thought I thought that worked really well. In those the tone movies. is right on it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But this we, this next Batman, I I'm excited for it. I I think it looks really good. It's 2021. 2021. Yep. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens next year. Yeah. Hopefully um, we'll right. be able to see it in the theater. Jump off of here uh, for all tonight. Right. But uh, it has been a pleasure talking with you as always. Thank you for joining Same us here. on our podcast. And um, we have not decided what we're going to do next time. We have talked about maybe coming back around to the black hole or Flash Gordon, two favorites from your childhood, as you mentioned to me. Mm-hmm. And also from mine, uh, beloved movies. Yep. So maybe we'll come back with that. We're going to have to talk about it offline. And until then, go check out Time Crimes. Even if you sat and listened to us spoil it, it's worth a watch.